Welcome to It's Time, the daily Bible teaching program of Mike Kessler, pastor of the River Christian Fellowship in Twin Falls, Idaho. Today we're going verse by verse through the book of John. So turn there in your Bibles as we join Pastor Mike. It's like somebody, you ever read those stories? I, I know a lot of those, I don't know, chick flick stories, I guess. But, but it's, like, it's like this girl meets a guy. And he's a nice guy. He's poorer than dirt. She knows she can do better, but she chooses to like him anyway. And as they begin to converse, and he's nice, and he seems to be very well-mannered, she just keeps entertaining the idea, and then he asks her to marry him. And she reluctantly, but though she loves him, says, okay, somehow in her mind reserving that she's going to be poor as a pauper for the rest of her life, only to find out that he was really a prince all along. And she said, well, why did you do this? Why did you put on the facade that you were dirt poor and that you were like a bum and everything? He said, because I would never have known who would love me because they love me or love me because of what I had. And friends, you may not know that either. You say, well, Mike, that's really a nice story, but how does that apply to me? Simply like this. You will never know who your friends are until you go through problems. Somebody said one time, a friend is who walks in when everybody else walks out. A friend, the Bible says in Proverbs, loves at all times. You'll always have fair weather friends. You may have fair weather romances. But when you have real friendship, when you have somebody, as the Bible declares to you, somebody that loves your heart, It doesn't matter what happens, they're going to be there because they love God and they love you. And that's really an important thing. And see, sometimes we don't, we want to think, oh, I'm so popular, I got 7,000 likes on Facebook. I'm one popular guy. In school, and I've shared this before, you're everybody's friend when you got the car and you got the gas. You, daddy takes the T-bird away. And now all of a sudden your friends are gone. They're on to the next person who has the car. And you realize that you weren't as popular as you thought. What was popular, you or what you had? And when we realize what we have is not us, we have to understand then what is us. And if you don't know what is, is, you're in trouble. If you think people love you because only of what you have, you will never know. And so going back to the story, why did you put on the facade of being a poor person? I would never know if somebody loved me because they loved me or what I had. Jesus was the word. And notice what it says. All things were made through him and without him Nothing was made that was made. And in him was life. By the way, this word in him being life, 36 times in uh, the book of John. 
And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. Couldn't figure it out. You ever wonder what's wrong with politicians? I do. I don't think you have to turn on TV and watch a debate, Democrat or Republican, very long to realize the train ran off the tracks a long time ago. And when you look at this, you realize that darkness is so great that the light that God has put in you and in me shines and you're a unique anomaly in all of life. Darkness becomes popular. The Bible says in the last days it will be so dark they will say what is evil is good and what good is evil. We see that today. It doesn't comprehend the light. I believe that again, when you, and I think people that aren't Christians understand this. They look and see the inconsistencies uh, again in, in government and all these different things and they're going, what's wrong with these people? Darkness. Darkness. You see, God has put in you His light because He is light. Notice it says, in Him was life, And the life was the light of men. And the light shines in the darkness, and the darkness does not get it, is what that means. And there was a man sent from God whose name was John. And this came for a witness, to bear witness of the light, that all through him might believe. Now John was not that light, but he was sent to bear witness of the light, that the true light which gives light to every man who comes into the world, he was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. How tragic. The very one that made everything came to this world, and they didn't recognize him, didn't know who he was. Because he didn't come in what they thought. You know, when Jesus came in on that triumphant entry on that Palm Sunday in 32 AD as he descended from the Mount of Olives, what they were crying out was, save now, save now. That's what Hosanna means. Hosanna, Hosanna. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. And they were laying palm branches down. That's the name Palm Sunday. And they were saying, save now, save now. They weren't talking about their souls being saved. Save Israel from the Roman government. That's what they wanted. But you see, Jesus realized there was something much more wrong than the Roman government in people, and that is their souls are dark. You don't realize how dark people are and how goofed up we are because the darkness prevails. Think about it this way. Have you ever seen the darkness prevail? I have. I knew a guy one time whose parents had died. They left him about $45,000. Within two months, it was all gone. All gone. Party on, dude. All gone. Nothing to show for it. Darkness prevails. And when darkness prevails, we make foolish Choices in our lives. But if you realize that Jesus Christ came to this world as the word of God to reveal to you truth. The Greeks believed if there was a word, there had to be the speaker of the word. 
And if word is true, then it will have an effect on the hearer. I pray today that you recognize that we need a Savior. We are incapable of saving ourselves. We're incapable of correcting the problems in our life. And people say, well, that sounds like some kind of a 12-step program. Well, there is a one-step program, and that's Jesus. You bring it to him, and he straightens us out. What purpose do you live for today? That's a question I think we have to, even as Christians, ask ourselves. Why am I here? What am I doing? God, have I allowed your word, who you are, to change the way I think about this life? And if I don't allow God to change me, and by the way, that's called a willing heart, I will stay, though I may have knowledge concerning who Jesus is, I've never experienced the wisdom of Jesus because I've never put feet to my faith. I've never put feet feet to what I've known. You can know all about God. You can know that Jesus died on the cross for you. You can know all these things intellectually. But unless it sinks into your heart, into the inner man, you're still lost. There's some that are lost in intellectualism. That's a really a troubling thing. By the way, always remember this. The Pharisees had the word of God. They didn't have a clue who the author was, but they had the word of God. I could just see them in their room there, plotting Jesus' death. Now, you know, if we can get someone of the disciples to uh, disclose his whereabouts and, and everything like that, and they're all plotting Jesus' death, while right there in their room are the pigeonholes where all the scriptures were exactly saying what they would be doing, and they didn't know. You talk about the light shining in the darkness, and the darkness not understanding what the light is. Friends, how great then is that darkness. But notice this. He came to his own, his own didn't receive him. But as many as received him, and I love this verse, to them gave he the right or the power to become the children of God, even those who believe on his name. You want to be a child of God? You want to be a son of God? Here it is. And by the way, this is one of those places in the Bible where it speaks of those who love Jesus Christ become the sons of God. There's always those in the Old Testament that say, well, the sons of God were the offspring of the Nephilim and all this crazy stuff that gets way out there. Right here, it just tells you what the son of God are. Those that love him. You can be a son of God. Instead of being a nobody, you can be a somebody. I remember at the end of an Andy Griffith show one time I saw. He looks at Opie. And he says, now Opie, you get out there and be a somebody. The good news here today is we are all somebodies. We're children of God. And you're not just an anybody. You belong to God, it says. Who were born, not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. Isn't that great to know? That you were born again, not because of the flesh, not because of somebody else, but because of God. Now that's who you are. 
And I guarantee you, friends, if you forget who you are, the world out there will try to take advantage of you and tell you you're a nobody unless you drive the new Americanus Maximus with tinted glass and airco. You are nobody unless you wash your teeth with shiny bright. You are nobody unless you go to Purdue. You are nobody unless you wear the latest brand of sparkly tennis shoes. You see, they take advantage. And the world, the Bible says, as Jesus said, sheep without a shepherd, they are led down a path thinking that something they own, something that they will buy, will make them something. When it is none of those things, it's who you are in Christ. You see, you're complete in Him. This morning, if you've never received Christ as your Savior, Perhaps you're on the outside looking in. Perhaps you're in that darkness wondering, what is this light? I would invite you this morning to consider Christ, the author, the finisher of your faith. He's the Word of God. This was one of the names of Jesus, that He was the Word. The Word was with God. The Word was God. The Jehovah's Witnesses add a preposition there. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was a God. That is completely erroneous. Never appears in the Greek. They just put in there, as all the cults do, to strip Jesus of his deity and to tell people there is no hell. Those are the two things you'll always find in a cult. They get who Jesus is messed up, and they always tell you there is no real hell. Sad. Bible's very clear. And Jesus gave up all of heaven, all the worship of the angels, to come down and be born in a manger, to be crucified on a cross, to keep us out of this terrible place. I don't know how bad hell really is, but I can guarantee you this. It's bad enough that Jesus gave up everything to get us and to keep us from going there. This morning I pray that his death on the cross was not in vain for you. Because the Bible says he loved the whole world that he sent his only son. That if you would believe in him, you wouldn't perish but have everlasting life. Again, not an intellectual knowledge. Well, I know that Jesus died on the cross. I know he died on the cross for me. But it never became personal. It's a thought. It's a theory. It's, it's, it's information, not reality. And so it's where it becomes reality in your life. The Bible says we pass from death unto life. We go from no purpose to purpose. Jesus who made everything came into the world, and the world did not know him. Why? You see, he came into the world like the prince. Do you love me for who I am, or do you love me for what you get out of me? And you know, it's that point in your life where you just say, you know, Lord, thank you for uh, showing me who I am. That I'm a lost scumbucket, and if it wasn't for your grace and love in my life, I would stay a lost scumbucket. You see, all of a sudden, that eliminates any of the pride trips that sometimes people get on. Sinners saved by grace. Paul said, as sinners, I am chief. He wrote much of the New Testament. Because he realized, he knew who God was. You stand in the light of God, in the light of us, we realize we're lost. But Jesus makes the difference. You know, it's funny, the sporting as it's communion. Jesus never told us to remember him by giant bronze statues in the city park or giant crucifixes in the back of the church. 
He chose to remember. He said, when you do, often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. So Jesus did give us a physical, tangible thing that we can hold to remind us of him. Isn't that funny? It wasn't a gold cross. It wasn't a, uh, uh, it wasn't, uh, um, uh, you know, a bronze Bible. It was simply just bread and the fruit of the vine that Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Peter tells us that his body was broken so we could be healed. Now friends, again, for many years, I've been in church a long time, I just thought, well, you know, as long as I don't feel a cold coming on or a little cancer here or, you know, a headache there, I'm all right. It wasn't until I realized this triune being that we are, the body, mind, and spirit. Friends, we need a lot of healing. We need the ability, we need to, we need to be healed, our ability to love and to be loved. We need our memories healed. We need our aggravations healed. We need our angers healed. We need our bodies healed. We need our minds healed. There's a lot of things about us. We're very complex. And I believe if we leave out those elements of God's healing touch, well, Corinthians chapter 11, the church at Corinth had changed communion into a kind of a drunken party. No longer recognizing the medicinal purpose that Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Peter's saying, by his stripes we're healed. The, the blood represents who we are that reminds us that we're valuable to God. He said, you've changed it into a drunken party. And he said, for this reason, many are sick and dead among you. It's not that God was cursing them because they were eating of the table unworthily. It's that they didn't recognize the value of communion. This is a physical thing that God gave the church to remind them that he will take care of it. But I will say this, if you're not a Christian, communion is worthless. It doesn't mean anything. Here's why. You don't know Jesus. So we're going to pray right now, if you've never asked Christ to come into your life, let's pray and you can ask God to come in your life. You can go from an intellectual knowledge of Christ to a personal relationship with Christ. Then communion means everything. Because Jesus said, as often as you do this, do this in remembrance of me. Remembering what he did for us and remembering the promises he made for us in the future. Let's pray. Father, I come to you in Jesus' name. And I invite you into my life today. I recognize that I've lived my life without you. I've lived it my own way. And God, I'm not happy. So from this day forward, I surrender my life into your hands. I believe Jesus died on the cross for me. And his blood is what washed my sins away. And when you rose from the, from the death of that cross, you gave me life too. So from this day forward, I commit my life into your hands. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Make me the best I can be for you. And help me be about your business all the days of my life in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that, welcome. 
to God's family. Begins with a prayer, but God's going to show you your whole life is goodness. That's the way God works. He opens our eyes up, no longer in darkness, stumbling in the dark, following after every lie that's out there. Oh, if you want to be something, you'll do this. Hey, I am something. I'm who Jesus says I am. I belong to him. I'm a child of the king. To them gave he power to become the sons of God to as many as them that would believe on his name. If you believed in Jesus' name today, you're a son of God, a daughter of God. Now you live like one. You live like a daughter or a son of God. You know, by the way, uh, the book of Proverbs was written from a king to his kids what it is. If you ever want to know what Proverbs is, it's just a letter from a king to his kids. How to behave like royalty. You might want to check it out if you haven't looked at it for a while. It's how we're supposed to live. It talks about our temperaments, our angers, and things like that. It kind of shows us that, hey, God's in control, so I just need to be royal. You know, when you realize who you are, it changes the way you live your life. Look at it like this. You go buy a new car. And you come out of the parking lot and there's a big door ding in the side of it. Does that bother you? It bothers me. But imagine this. Imagine that your father put in your account millions of dollars. You can have a new car whenever you want it. You come out, parking lot, big ding in the side. Oh, oh well, I'll get another one. Changes the way you live. Well, friends, a lot more important than door dings is what people do to us. Murders are caused by those things unresolved. When you realize you have a Father in Heaven that's put a million loves in your bank account and someone's been mean to you, you go, that's okay. I got a lot more love. But when all you have is what you got, you don't know your God in Heaven. Because you got a God in Heaven that's got much bigger hands than you do. Let Him bless you today. Thank you for joining us on It's Time as Pastor Mike teaches verse by verse through the Bible. If you've missed a program or would like to catch up, you can do so by getting it from the It's Time podcast in the iTunes store or by downloading it from the It's Time website at theriverchristianfellowship.com slash it's time. On behalf of Pastor Mike and the rest of us here at the River Christian Fellowship, thank you for listening and tune in next time for It's Time. It's Time.